up here again. My message today goes for about half the time of the uh, when I come back from America, so you don't you won't have to leave early. That's awesome, isn't it? It's so good, just the hands and feet of God. Wow, I love that. It's, it's, just, it's life. It's just everything. Jesus. My message is a little bit serious today. It's a fun topic, but it's serious. So uh, I think I might just start with a joke. And this is a joke I got from a mate at work. It's for all ages. It's about the little balloon boy. So little balloon boy, he goes to uh, little balloon school. And he, uh, he gets called to the principal's office because he's in trouble. So he goes in and the principal says, the balloon principal says, do you know why you're in trouble? And the little balloon boy says, yes, I brought a pin to school. And the, the principal says, that's right, you let me down, you let yourself down and you let the whole school down. Oh, I pray. Thank you, Lord, for today, for your love, for what you're doing in our community, where you're taking us. I just ask you to help me to relax, help me to be in tune with you so I can bring to the, the community what you want me to bring. And may my words fall to the ground that you don't want to bring, but the words that you're bringing just resound in the spirit and have effect. In Jesus' name. Since cessationism, for those that don't know, a cessationist is someone who believes that the spiritual gifts, signs, wonders and miracles died out with the apostles. Sensationism is actually the opposite of what I'm going to talk about today. I don't believe that there are any cessationists left at Mount Clear, but if there is anybody listening that, um, that has that sort of view, I just ask you to have an open mind and to consider the scriptures that I bring today. So my aim today is to affirm how we know that the supernatural is normal to Papa, and Papa wants the supernatural to be normal for us. I also want to address some common reasons that hold the supernatural back in our lives. So my real title for this message is the supernatural becoming normal. I'm talking about the supernatural be- becoming normal, not that so that we lose an awe and wonder of it, but we become so familiar with God and His heart that we just know He wants to move powerfully in other people's lives and our life. I remember in school when Gary Morgan came to visit one of the students, they asked him, do you ever get uh, used to the supernatural, bored with it, or you, you know, lose, lose an awe and wonder? And he said, no, we always have to remain childlike. And Gary, if you've seen him, he's, he just knows how to, he's just full of awe and wonder every time. And the words of knowledge that he gets are just insane. He never gets bored with it. And if you follow his posts on Facebook, you'll know he's just time and time again, He's just overwhelmed with the love of God that he shows to people through the prophetic. As I started this to prepare this message, it brought back a memory of when a door knocker from one of those religious organizations that are, that are known for door knocking. And I knew that um, these religious organizations didn't believe in miracles. And so one day the, 
one, one of them knocked on my door and she said where she was from. And so I asked her if the, Bible, if the miracles that happened in the Bibles, if they still happen today. And she told me no. And she took me to a scripture in 1 Corinthians 13, 8, in the famous love chapter. It says, love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. And proceeded to say that love is lasting and the rest have been done away with. The first thing I noted is that she just added to the word of God. Nowhere in all the scripture does it say when the gifts will cease. The second thing that really, really conflicted with me is I'd been baptized in the spirit for a few years at that point and had the gift of tongues. And so I said to her, that goes against my whole experience of God. And sadly, I I don't think it did much to convince her otherwise. The most important thing, though, before I go on any further about the supernatural is really that it's actually secondary. Papa must remain number one. When Andrew preached using the Hacksaw Ridge trailer, what an awesome job he did of the ten lepers that got cleansed of their leprosy, the main point was about their salvation. The supernatural is always secondary. We can't lose focus of that. It just so happens, though, that the supernatural is a frequent way Papa chooses to operate. With my treasure hunts, it was funny on the Facebook, I accidentally said that you need to know the supernatural, and then 20 minutes later I saw that and I said, change it to you don't need to know. <laughs> that was funny. But I don't care if the supernatural happens or not with it. It's forefather and about father. It's about what he wants and it isn't about performance. It just so happens, though, we've found seven of our treasures so far. Two of the names we've got right. We've prayed for a girl who got healed and encouraged people who needed hope and showed kindness to a multitude of people representing Papa. If we turn, or you can look up on the screen, to Matthew 7, 21 to 23... I'm sorry, some of, the, some of the scriptures I forgot to leave off where, where I got the, um, the version from, but it doesn't really matter, the secondary. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. For somebody to do anything in somebody's name, it has to be what they want. So if, if I have a bill to pay and I give you some money and I say, I want you to go pay this bill on my behalf and I give you the bill that comes in the mail and you go down to the post office and pay it on my behalf, you can only do that because I want you to. This is, this is motives aside here, right? We're talking motives aside. Now the problem with the evildoer is it's not that they're doing the will of God, but they're actually not doing it fully. They're not doing it out of love for the person they're praying for or for God. They're doing it for themselves. What what it would be like 
is if you got an evil lawyer to represent you and the evil lawyer might be really, really good at what, he's, what he can do and he represents you well, except, guess what, he's ripping you off on the side. He's doing it for himself. He's not really doing it for care for you. That's what the evil doer is like in this passage. The point of this passage is that God's will is to perform the miraculous and he will even do it through evil people because that's how much he wants to love people. And the reason I believe this is because a supernatural event with God is actually like an, it's just an encounter with love. Because God reaches out to us in our trials, in our tribulations, and he says, I love you, and I'm going to change it. I'm going to fix it. I care about you. Then if we go to, um, I'm getting emotional, the uh, revelation the centurion had in Matthew chapter 8, when Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came to, and pleaded with him, Lord, my, my young servant lies in bed paralyzed and in pain, terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come into my house. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. I know this because I'm under authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go, come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do this. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who followed him, he said, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. I'll skip down to the 13. And Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home because you believed it has happened and the young servant was healed that same hour or some translations say that instance. The centurion knows that when Caesar decides to go to war with the nation, that Caesar doesn't actually go to war. He stays at home most of the time. He sends his general off. The general goes off to war and he doesn't actually do the fighting either. He sits in his tent and he lets the commander of his legions go off and do the fighting. So this centurion, he's had the revelation that it's actually not Jesus doing the healing. It's the Father God. And Jesus is just carrying out his orders. And Jesus commends him for it. So I can take the pressure off you if you're praying for someone. You're not actually doing it. God is. It's not about you. The, mes- the next passage I want you all to consider is in John five nineteen, And Jesus gave the answer, Very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees the Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Now think about all the healings, the signs, the wonders that Jesus performed all through his ministry. And he was just copying the Father. To add to it, I want to bring in the thought that God never changes. Steve Long in America, when we were there, he said, why can't God change? And his answer absolutely gobsmacked me. I knew the scripture in James that says God never changes. 
But he said he can never change because if he could change, he couldn't, wouldn't be God. He couldn't be God. Think about it. If God decided to take the day off, he couldn't have been God in the first place because God in his very nature is everlasting. Papa is the same yesterday, today and forever. His kind and loving heart is the same. He created the earth and the heavens and it was so easy for him. And the supernatural is still so easy for him. Why wouldn't Papa want to use it when it can shake mankind out of the lives we sometimes live as if, we, as if he doesn't even exist? And he can say, I'm here. I'm here. I love you. I care for you. A lot of people here at Man Clear love the supernatural. And I want to encourage you, though, just to take a look at your life. If you think there's an element of the supernatural missing, there's no time like today to start practicing in your families, in your workplaces, down the street. If you want to come to Treasure Hunt in church, So, hopefully you now know that Father wants to perform and desires the miraculous, the supernatural. But the next question we must ask, are we meant to do it too? I'm going to take you to Ephesians 5, 1 to 2. And I got this from the message version. This is awesome. Watch what God does and then you do it like children who learn proper behavior from their parents, mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. Then Jesus also says in John, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me, will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. All through the Old Testament, we see healings and miracles, all through the New. They continue today, and they'll continue more and more if we let them, if we partner with Father. The last scripture I want to show us that uh, amplifies this point is uh, 1 Corinthians 4.20. Paul says, For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk, it's living by God's power. And that's the same kingdom again. It's the same kingdom as it was when Jesus came. The kingdom of God has been accessible to all mankind since Jesus. And it's the same. It operated the same way then and the same way it does now. Are you getting this? That living by the power of God is meant to be normal. I know nothing as, as powerful that can get somebody's attention as a supernatural encounter with God. I've been thinking of learning how to... Uh, become really, really good at magic tricks and doing street performance, maybe a little bit like Dynamo. And uh, instead of using it to make money, use it to share the gospel. And I pray that on that day that God gives me great skill 
and uh, or, or anointing of both, that people don't turn away as soon as I talk about why I'm doing this, that I could captivate an audience for Christ. One of the big keys, though, to, in, to increasing in uh, getting more and more results with the supernatural is, is learning to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. It's a practice, it's an art. You've got you to work at it. Because it's about praying in, in the will with the Father, listening, what is He doing? Jumping on board, releasing His will. When Jesus began his public ministry and started interacting with people and doing what the Father showed him to do, he couldn't stop performing miracles and healing the sick. And then when he died and rose again, he still didn't let up until he went up to heaven. And then he sent his Holy Spirit so that we could continue the works of the Father. Just going to have a drink now. I'm now going to switch gears a little bit and uh, start heading more towards things that can help us uh, improve in flowing in in the supernatural so that, you know, try to make it a bit practical and uh, so we can keep going forward. First thing I'm going to talk about is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to do an altar call for the baptism of the Holy Spirit today. The baptism of the Holy Spirit isn't essential to operate in the supernatural. But definitely there is an increase if you have the baptism of the Spirit. If you look at Luke 10, when Jesus sends out the 72, this is pre-baptism of the Spirit. In verse 8 and 9 it reads, and this is from the Amplified Bible, haven't brought it up. Whenever you go into a city and they welcome you, eat what is set before you and heal those who are in it, authenticating your message and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. So let's remember that's pre-baptism of the Spirit and they're healing the sick to prove the kingdom of God is real, to prove that God is real. But without a doubt, there definitely was an increase in their ministry when the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. A baptism of the Holy Spirit can happen instantly, particularly in cultures like this where we're a bit open to it. Uh, in places that, um, that aren't so open, a little bit anti the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Spirit, it can, it can come a bit more slowly. That's what it, how it happened for me. So I was in two communities mainly, and they were both fairly uh, anti the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. And, but God connected me with people that, that had been baptized in the Spirit, and they told me story after story after story. And I went on a journey for about three years, learning about this and learning about, wow, like this is really cool. And... Um, I started having uh, experiences with God uh, in, my, in my personal life in, at home where the anointing of God would come upon me and 
it would happen, you know, every now and then, maybe a month apart or more, but it would continue to increase. The anointing of God would grow in intensity and spread over my body. So I hadn't been baptized in the Spirit yet. And then one night, I was at an all-night prayer meeting at uh, Ballarat Christian Fellowship. It was an Easter Friday night. And I desired the, the Holy Spirit and God so much, I cried out in desperation, genuine desperation for more of an authentic experience of Him because I knew I was lacking. I knew there was more. And I went, bang, no one laid hands on me. I fell down, slain in the Spirit. I started laughing uncontrollably. Went on probably for about an hour. And the fruit from this experience was I instantly I got control of an addiction in my life and also I got given the gift of tongues, which I didn't have pre the baptism of the Spirit. The gift of tongues doesn't have to come with the baptism of the Spirit, but it is a common thing when people do get baptized in the Spirit. Most people will start to exhibit a spiritual gift that they didn't experience, uh, have before. I want to encourage you all, you don't need to be scared of the baptism of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus, and Jesus is just like the Father. Alan, the head of school in America, he said something that had been in my mind for a while and put words to it. And what he said was, we need to trust the Holy Spirit's ability to lead us into all truth rather than the enemy's ability to lead us into deception. I'll say that again. We need to trust the Holy Spirit's ability to lead us into all truth rather than the enemy's ability to lead us into deception. So, another quote we heard really often in America from lots of people that were speaking was from Bill Johnson. And it says, The Holy Spirit is in you for you and it is on you for thousands. The Holy Spirit is in you for you and on you for thousands. Who wants to advance the kingdom? Another thing I want to talk about a little bit is altar calls. All in all, altar calls are really, really positive things. Altar calls, though, are less about the physical place, except for one really practical reason, which I'll say. As God can be just as powerful in your seat as he can be up the front, although there is an argument that spiritual atmospheres, things that happen over and over again, can create atmospheres for spiritual things to happen. There is an argument for that, but God can still be just as powerful if you're crying out to him in your seat. Like me, I, I was just raised, crying out to God and, and the Holy Spirit consumed me. But altar calls are more importantly about saying, yes, yeah, sometimes in your seat you can have a struggle with God, you know, about the topic, about why you should come up. And it's like, yes, no, should I, should I, should I not? But there's something about just walking forward is easier than struggling in your seat. It's just like bringing your heart into the light. And because you've said a definite yes to Papa, more often than not, Papa will touch you in an amazing way because you responded to the tug on your heart. The practical reason for coming forward is you get access to a man or woman of God that can pray and give a blessing over your life. It's very, it's very simple. Whereas if it's a guest speaker, for example, it doesn't really matter who it is, or you might not even think about it, except because today they're talking about this topic, you decide, wow, geez, I can get prayer for that. that that's relevant to me. I'm going up. 
at very least, I want to encourage everyone when there's an altar call to ask the Father if they should be going forward. That's what I do. I ask, I ask him, Lord, do you want me to go up for this altar call? Do you want me to get prayer? And I don't care what the answer is. If, it, if, it, if I'm the only person up the front, if the Father's told me to come up, I'm going up. I don't care what anyone thinks. If it looks like I've got some mad, bad struggle in my life, that doesn't matter either. Because the Father is everything. The fa- we can trust the Father with everything. And he says, this is your answer today. Take it. And if there's an altar call for the baptism of the Spirit, I want to encourage you to run forward. <laughs> or at very least, go the journey and allow the Father to woo you to the place where you just have to say yes. And if you've been baptized in the Spirit, that doesn't matter either because you can continue to have many, many experiences and encounters with the Holy Spirit. They may be similar. They may be a little bit different. Bill Johnson says in his book, When Heaven Invades Earth, Most Christians end with one encounter with the Holy Spirit. When we can go on to have encounter after encounter after encounter. And they can all bring forth fruit in our life. Now I want to talk about three major things that can affect us from experiencing the supernatural in our life. The first one is unforgiveness. In America, there was dozens of stories, and we experienced it ourselves when praying for people, where people could not get healed when they were in unforgiveness to somebody, particularly if an incident happened where somebody hurt them and they got an injury from that event. And then they, if they forg- when they forgave them, then they could receive the healing from God. So this is more about you experiencing the supernatural power of God in your own personal life rather than praying for other people. Not to mention that forgiveness does wonders for community living and helping us to accept one another and live in harmony and the unity of the Spirit to come. This teaching comes straight from school. Let's start with some dictionary definitions of forgiveness and I think they're pretty good biblical definitions too. To give up resentment against or desire to punish. To pardon. To overlook an offence. To cancel a debt. Literally. How do we know we need to forgive someone? What do we often talk about? Or who do we often talk about? especially with people we trust? Do we keep going over an offence or an injustice? What are we whining about with God and others? Or who are we whining about? Do we have a list of wrongdoings? Do we bring up the list that did this, this and this and this and this? Facts. The more we get hurt by life, the more we become critical, judgmental, and negative, and less we choose to forgive. 
Forgiveness is not approval of what was done. It's not denying what was done. It's not downplaying what was done. And it's not pretending it didn't hurt. Forgiveness definitely does not say that it's okay for bad behavior to continue. And you can still challenge it if someone hasn't stopped. You can still be in forgiveness with somebody if you have to remove yourself from them because they're continuing to hurt you. Forgiveness is saying, I release you from the debt you owe me. I release you from the debt you owe me. It doesn't mean, though, that a person doesn't make recommends for what they've done. Like Zacchaeus, he repaid his his debts four times what he stole from the people. But ultimately, that resides with that person or people in authority to make that decision. As sometimes we hurt each other without, without even doing anything wrong because we may have a predisposition to be hurt for some reason. The reason we must forgive is because it's bitterness eats away at the soul from within. It's what the parable in Matthew 18 talks about, where the man goes and pleads with the king to forgive his debt, to remove his debt. And then and the king does. Then the man goes out and he sees someone that owes him very little comparison to the massive debt that he had with the king. And he demands that the guy pays him back. And the king hears about it and he throws him into prison where he gets tortured. The king doesn't actually do this with us if we don't forgive. It's what unforgiveness does. It imprisons ourselves and it tortures us from within. You may have seen this quote before. To forgive is to set the prisoner free. And then realize that that prisoner was you. In Matthew 6.15, But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. It's not that the Father doesn't want to forgive you. He does. He's offering you His forgiveness. But you actually say, if you can't forgive somebody else, that humans are not worthy of forgiveness. And so the Father says, well, what? I can't forgive you. I'm trying to forgive you, but I can't because you won't let me. In school, they said this. If I want justice for you, then I get justice for me. I could talk about this one much more. But before we move on, to another topic that holds us back from the supernatural. I want to help lead us uh, all in a prayer of forgiveness. So if someone comes to mind that uh, has wronged you and you feel like you need to forgive them, you can whisper it. You don't have to say it aloud. Or you can just say it in your heart and mind. I'm doing this so that we're practical and it's not just words on a page. 
and hopefully you can take it away and start practicing it in your own life if you need to. I um I was at um work recently and a doctor was being really mean to me. He was downplaying me, he was really insecure and uh he he said kept saying mean things to me and um I decided to keep being nice to him and uh but I I'd have to go, I forgive you. I forgive I forgive this doctor. I forgive him. I forgive him. I forgive him. And then the next time I saw him, he was really nice to me. It can be really hard to genuinely forgive sometimes and let it go, but it helps to go over these prayers of forgiveness or to say it over and over again to yourself. So I want us to get active and I want everybody to stand up, please, if they can. And I'll get you to repeat after me. It's important that, um, that you're specific with the offense that's been done wrong. And you can also mention what you needed from that person instead. So, repeat after me, please. Thank you, Jesus, for dying in my place that I might be forgiven. By an act of my will, I now choose to forgive those who have hurt me or sinned against me. I forgive, and you can whisper the person if there's somebody, you don't have to say it aloud. Four, and you can think about the event, whisper the event, say it to God the hurt that they caused, what they didn't give you, what you needed from them. I give each one of these the gift of unconditional forgiveness. They owe me nothing. And I entrust them to you, God. I bless each of them in your name. Okay, thank you. You can sit down. Then it can be also good to deal with any responses you, you may have made to the person that weren't helpful in a, in a situation, in an event, if you had a fight or something. And uh, here's an example of what you might say. Lord, I ask you forgiveness for, I've got a mistake there, my ungodly response to the offense or pain. I've judged them, whatever you may have done. I had a wrong attitude, I have a bad attitude. I responded with bitterness and anger. It's important to, to be um, specific. Lord, please forgive me for my ungodly and sinful response. It's also really important to forgive ourselves, especially if we want to walk in wholeness. Just let it go. I made this quote up when I was preparing this message. I thought, I think it's pretty good. Just to stop beating up, to stop beating up, oh, I've probably I've made a mistake. Add, add, add something in there. Stop beating up on yourselves. Jesus took all the beating necessary so we don't have to beat each other up or ourselves anymore. You get the picture. But there goes my ego. (laughs) 
The next thing that I want to talk about that holds the supernatural back is our beliefs. If, if you're like that woman that uh, came knocking on my door, it's unlikely you're going to see many miracles. And if you see them, you're probably just going to explain them away. So I've got a list of some common um, lies um, around the church that um, people believe. This is a massive sermon in itself, so we're not going to go into it too, too much. common lies we believe about the supernatural and we know they're lies because they do not line up with the word of God God doesn't want to heal me I haven't experienced it yet therefore it's not real maybe you haven't experienced it because you really don't think it's real that's how it was for me anyway when this then when I was pre-believing supernatural. I don't think anybody believed this, but there are many Christians out there that do. Tongues are of the devil. But the, the, the gift of tongues from the Holy Spirit is powerful. If you do a word study on tongues in the Bible and look up every time it mentions tongues, you have to conclude that God is pro-tongues. For example, Paul says, I wish that you all could speak in tongues but I would rather that you prophesy. It's in Corinthians somewhere. The other day at work, I was uh, in deep distress. Things weren't going well. And I just started to pray in tongues for about five minutes. And uh, after that, I was good. And I came back to my joy. God is powerful, but he can't use me. God wants to use you and he can. God is sovereign, therefore this must be God's will. Whatever trial, sickness, or pain you're going through. Many terrible, evil things happen all over the world most days and none of them are the will of God. There's the free will choice of man and then there's things like sickness, like cancer. I'll tell you how I know that that, that ain't from God, that it's never the will of God because a good dad never ever would give or want his children to have cancer, even to teach them a lesson. Never. He doesn't need to. He is weighing better tools up his disposal to be able to uh, teach you better character. And guess what? They all come with love. All of them. The the next one I'm going to show you is one of the challenges that was for me in my early days when I started to pray for people on the street was what if it fails? I can't try. There was a few reasons I thought like this. One of them is because I didn't want to give God a bad name when it didn't work. But more importantly, or more accurately, what was actually happening is I didn't want to look like a fool. 
So I'd fight this thing when I was really felt the call of God to go and pray for people, but I didn't actually think it was going to happen. And some of the things that God told me that really, really encouraged me this was the results aren't up to you, Dion. We are the switch. And the Holy Spirit or the Father, they are the, he is the electricity. Yes, we release it. We turn the lights on. But if you're not connected to him, nothing happens. Nothing will ever happen if you switch, flick the switch. Another thing I heard was, and really, really encouraged me, was sometimes people actually don't get healed right there in front of you. Sometimes they go home and they get healed in their home later on, and you don't know about it. Like um, Darren Wilson's uh, father, this isn't a healing story, this is a different one. Uh, Darren Wilson's the guy who make, makes uh, Holy Ghost and Finger of God. Anyway, his father, um, he went up for prayer for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and nothing happened. And then he went home and uh, he went to bed and he's lying beside his wife and the baptism of the Spirit hits him right there in bed. (laughs) And um, it's just an example. The results are not our responsibility. Although if you want to not look foolish, you can use a little bit of practical wisdom. Oh, yeah. My sister brings back memories of my sister. She, uh, she experienced her first healing out in public before I did. And uh, she, um, she was sitting on a train and this girl had this really, really sore neck. And uh, she, she wasn't expecting it either, actually. And, but she just says to the girl, she wants to try it. She'd been uh, listening to Bill Johnson and inspired. And uh, she says, you know, God heals. Would you like, uh, can I pray for you? And she goes, okay. And so she says a prayer, and, and then she goes, test it, because that's what we, we're trying to encourage, that you get somebody to check it there and then. And um, she turns her neck, and she's like, oh, it's gone. That's amazing. And um, so she got to show off and say, well, that's what God does. That was God. That wasn't me. But what she said was, We'll pray, and let's just see what happens. Let's just see what happens. I'm not saying, yeah, God's going to heal you or anything like that. We'll just pray and see what God does. Just giving a platform for God to move. Turning the switch on without being too gung-ho. The best thing that I can say for now, without going into a a full teaching on ungodly beliefs, that can help you. If, if you feel like God's showing you that some of your beliefs might not be true, that don't line up with Scripture, is meditate on the truth. Meditate on it. Go through the Scriptures. Do a word study. If you're challenged by the, the supernatural, do a study on it. Meditate on the truth. Just consume yourself with it. So lastly, this is the last reason... I'm going to talk about today. There's probably much more reasons that hold the supernatural back in our life. But this is very simple, but it's very powerful. And it's something also that Andrew has talked about recently. And that is sometimes we just don't pray. 
a couple of testimonies. So I work in the theatre at the hospital. I was uh, once in an emergency caesarean and once in a normal caesarean. And on these two occasions, the baby um, that was born was, um, was receiving emergency CPR. They weren't doing well. And uh, when I noticed it, I, um, the second time it happened for me quicker. But I'd, after a while, I'm like, oh, I, why don't I pray for this baby? And so I prayed. I just said, in the name of Jesus, may the saturations in the blood go up. And instantly it went up. The same thing happened the second time, but it happened much quicker. I'm like, the togs are turning. Oh, I'm going to pray like I did last time. Just, yeah, it's going to happen. Same thing. Sats down, about 80%. I pray instantly, it goes up. Then another event happened. This wasn't with a baby, though. This was after a, another procedure. And the patient was satting between 30 and 70% for half an hour. And medically, it's known that if someone sats under 90% for more than 10 minutes, they will get brain damage. And so I'm there praying and nothing's happening. The sats aren't going back up. I'm like, come on, come on, you know, because I've seen it before. It can happen again. Come on, come on, come on. Nothing happening. So what I do is I pray that this lady will not get brain damage. And she ends up going to ICU. She wakes up the next morning completely fine. If you think about all the stories of Jesus, not no one got healed because they had no engagement with Jesus. Jesus didn't like walk past someone, tap them on the shoulder, and they got healed. Every single, every single healing, there was some form of engagement. They either obeyed him or they pleaded with him, please heal me, stretch out your hand, you know. Every single one, they had some sort of engagement. Prayer. That's what prayer is. It's engagement with the Father in its simplest forms. Like the centurion I mentioned earlier. In Genesis, God gave this world to us. We are the custodians of this world. And he will not do anything unless we pray for his will to be done. Because this is our world. This is our, we're the ones with authority here. And God wants us to pray so that his will can be released. That's the way he set it up from the beginning. So to close, what I want to happen is I want anybody who needs a miracle in their life, a supernatural intervention of God, something they're struggling with, something they need prayer for, I want you to raise your hand and what I want to happen is I want the, the whole church to go and pray for somebody with their hand up. And after you've got, got prayer, maybe you can go pray for somebody else who's had their hand up. So who needs prayer? Anyone else? I need prayer. All right. I'm going to put the mic down and uh, go find someone to pray for. So keep your hands up so that if, if you're, you're going to go pray for someone, you can go, go praying for somebody with their hand up who needs prayer. And if uh, you feel comfortable, we share the need and, uh, and let's pray and let's believe. That's my message today, people. I love you.